Hey there, and welcome to part two with Kelly Walker on Industry Town. Uh, we start with one last thought on distribution, and there's a beautiful moment where she realizes that, hey, she's a director for hire. Uh, before we get into what she learned about acting from editing, including giving space in your performance, the importance of stillness, and we really get into how much variation you should put in between in different takes. We also talk about uh, her relationship to her acting, uh, how she ended up booking Swamp Thing, a uh, recurring role on that show, and how that came after what was kind of a dark period in her acting career. Uh, we learned how she kind of found her way back to acting through making succulents and tarot readings and how creativity and being able to say, I don't know without any shame really puts you uh, back in the driver's seat of your acting and your acting career. We also get David Abbott's name wrong one more time, so stay tuned for that. Uh, one last thing, a personal note. Um, I lost a really good friend a couple of days ago. I lost my puppy. And uh, I would just ask that this Thanksgiving, if you were considering doing um, any extra charity or donations or something to consider giving to the ASPCA or the rescue where I found my guy uh, 13 years ago, Perfect Pet Rescue. There's a whole bunch of other wonderful rescue organizations, but those two will be in the show notes. And it would mean the world if you uh, have an extra five or $10 to spare. They need your help and uh, those animals and those organizations and it's a really great thing to do so enough about that i hope you had a wonderful thanksgiving i hope you see a movie this weekend i'm gonna see knives out later today can't wait for that but in the meantime enjoy kelly walker for part two on your long drive home or while you're doing dishes lock it up very quiet and still ready scene one take three a mark Lisa did one more thought on the whole distribution angle. Yeah, I was in the bathroom and I was like, oh, uh, I think one thing at least that's always worked for me or at least gives me a little bit more feeling of control mm -hmm. is I love to find films that I've seen in festivals or read about and just track back their, their story. So go from, okay, they've just, just been distributed by X, Y, and Z. Well, what festivals did they go to? Where did they screen first? Who did they meet? Who's worked together before? Then their films before that and then try to understand kind of their blueprint of their career or are their Are there film. things that are consistent that you find or is it just a clear trajectory that kind of helps you understand the process? I'll notice there are certain film festivals or specifics where it's like that seems to be, oh, that film festival is kind of what started these guys off and this other film and this film and this film. Or I noticed this DP and director have worked together three or four times or um, the producer. Where What did the producer do before this? Was it the producer's connections? I don't know, for some reason that really and that's with anything, right? But I do think that does help here. I'm doing a lot of research right now. Yeah, just people have trailblazed long before us, and to think that like that that evidence and that proof yeah. isn't available is lazy. I think and it's like it's all there for you. Reach out. They don't have to write back, but I I write to a lot of people. Do most of them write back? No, <laughs> or they write back like thank you. I'm like that's it. Cool. Or we start a conversation. I can ask them questions. and So some of them write back. Some of them do, but most don't. But who knows? Maybe that one will give you that piece of information, that little piece of the puzzle that you would, wouldn't have thought of on your own. And you don't lose anything reaching out to someone who doesn't no. respond back. Especially if you're a genuine fan of their work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm doing a phone call this week with a girl that reached out and asked if she could talk about what it's like to make a, a first film. She's about to do her first. And I was like, of course, let's jump on the phone. Do you have any other films coming up? Like, what's happening next as a writer-director? Are people approaching you to direct things you haven't written? Yes, I'm directing a short, which is funny to go back, but I just really love the story, and I love the ladies making it. So I was like, oh, I'm not sure if you're supposed to go back, or, but fuck it. Steven Soderbergh still makes shorts. There you go. P.T. Anderson just did a music video yes, for Radiohead. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, whatever. Art is art. Um, I have a couple of different things that I'm working on. But I don't know which one's gonna take the next, like... But how does it feel to now be a director that people are looking to hire? You know... I mean, did you stop and think about no, that? No, I haven't. Is that happening right now? I feel like you're about to cry. Oh my goodness, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a hell of a thing. That is really cool. I wish I had something profound to say, but I think I'm living in that moment right now. Yes, there's a smile that seems very yeah. profound right Ooh. now. There it is. Director for hire. It's true. 
Um, when I first met you in acting class, you were making your money, and I feel like the primary part of your, your work was as an editor. Yeah. So we heard a little bit earlier that you got started doing that very young. It sounded like you got premiere when you were like 13 years mm-hmm. old. Mostly self-taught, I assume. All self-taught. And that instruction manual. Really big instruction manual. This is before you could go on YouTube and learn how to do it. Did you find that you'd learned anything on your own in a way that was so ass backwards that there was like actually a much easier way? Yep. And yet, like, what kind of any that come to mind? Uh, yeah, uh, just figured one out on post on my film. Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, my editor kept making the screen go big. I think I showed you when you guys were over. I'm like, just press, you know, command one or whatever to make the screen big. <laughs> What the actual fuck? I could have been doing that this whole time. I'm like been doing like this click up to this view, click this, click that, exit out. He had a couple of different little shorthands that I was going, well shit, like at first I'm thinking, fuck, I like waste a lot of time that I'm like, thank God you're paid hourly. I mean, you know, <laughs> jokes on your clients. Oops. <laughs> um, so look, this I don't think this is an editing podcast. It's not the primary way you make your money right now, but what I do think it gives you an insight to, you get to spend time with actors when they're done, when their performance and the palette that they're giving their editor is already made, okay. and you've got to turn it into something, and I feel like there's times when you're like, oh, God damn it, actor, you always do this, or you didn't know to do something else. What do you think, what do you think the biggest things you've learned about acting are from editing, or things that actors should know that an editor could tell them? Yep, okay. Um, space is really important. Meaning? giving space in your performance, giving space between your sentences, between your words. It's gotta feel organic, obviously. You can't be like talking in slow motion. But I think a lot of actors, myself included, like here's what I'm doing, you know, or you get so wrapped up in the moment, you're not thinking about the medium. Mm-hmm. The medium of film, it's very different than stage. The space thing. Are you talking like actors that make stuff, or just actors just actors in general? general. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to shoot. Someone's going to shoot a scene for their reel, or they're showing up for someone else's project, or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, like one that I know from directing recently was that, and getting to sit in the editing room with you, uh, was that so often you want to cut off of either movement or the opposite. That like I want this frame to hold for a couple seconds, and that. I don't think actors at all think about what are people going to cut off of, and am That's I going to point. set them up for that? And I don't think I ever would have understood that unless I actually was there being like, oh no, God damn it, they're moving there. We can't. I can't do anything with this. I can't do yeah. anything. And actors, myself included, I think we feel a lot of pressure to be special, to be interesting, and it often leads to a lot of excess behavior that is yeah. actually unhelpful in the room. And that the trusting of just your job whatever the script called for, and then stillness. Like facial stillness. Mm-hmm. That's really tough. I mean, that was that was tough on the last film. There was someone that uh, would look up a lot, mm-hmm. and we had to try to cut around them looking up, and it was very difficult. But then we made it a game. You know, Jeff Witzke did an episode recently, and he talked about getting to watch Hugh Jackman and Vera Farmiga work together. I listened together. to that, yes. And that whole thing he said of just like, everything slowed down for the extreme close-ups even more, and they were so clear on what they felt about it, but they took the time to honestly engage that mm-hmm. truth and live in that truth before they moved on. Because you can always cut something to be faster together. Absolutely. It's, you can't really cut something to be slower. Especially if you're getting singles and anything can happen in that editing room. I think a big thing too, I think as actors, we we come in, it was kind of like what I was saying, like we come in and we want to give you the world. But at the end of the day, our job is to give the character. And that's that's really our only job. And what's her story or his story? What's his perspective? How is he experiencing this moment? In post, they're gonna do the color and the music and the sound effects, and that's gonna fill in everything else. So, and the editor's gonna dig, you know, dictate the the pace of the scene. But if we're trying to do that as an actor, we're trying to do all of it. We don't allow room for our post people to finish up. What about things like overlapping dialogue or continuity? You know, everyone. I think. I hate to be like, this is my opinion on it, because I, don't, I think everyone has a different opinion, but my personal opinion. You get to have one. You get a very informed, educated opinion. I think that's more a director's problem if, if you deliver. Oh, so here's what I did. I'll just tell you what I did. To, um, on the wide, I would allow my actors to overlap the shit out of it. Feel free to just do whatever you want. On their first close-up, I would say overlap the shit out of it. 
second close up, like the second take, stop. But they had the, it was already in their bodies. They could feel it, they had that sense memory. So then the overlap, since it was gone, they were still able to feel what that, what that moment just felt like. Because then we would cut, we would use a little bit of all of it. But I couldn't use, there was a lot of times we couldn't use a lot of stuff if it was overlapped. Gotcha. And there was only a couple times we had to ADR, but I was being super mindful and a lot of people aren't being super mindful. And there's just nothing you can do. And the other thing, we don't know at the, you get into post, you might need to rewrite a whole a whole scene or a whole um, storyline with ADR. But if there's all this overlapping, you don't give us any room to do that. Okay, that piece makes sense. So, working the rest with of your, it didn't. Working, you have nothing else <laughs> up until this point. Nothing else. I know, but so the, working with the director on that stuff, but understanding, because people are shooting their own content for their reels, and they're not necessarily having a professional director That's do true. that, and then they're delivering it to an editor. They're not knowing some of this stuff. So allowing more space, not feeling like you have to do too much. Uh, what else do we have? Anything else that actors you wish they would know? If it's, if it's in know? that case, don't overlap if it's just you guys doing it, and you don't have a director being mindful of it, because... You can create that overlap in post. You can't take that away. Great. So we like that. But what else? What else do actors need to know? What do you feel like that you learned by getting to by being stuck with the footage, you know, frozen as it is? I mean, I think every actor should edit themselves at some point and see their isms, see their their little things they do. I think in class we can pick up on some of it, but when we're actually in a scene setting, you'll notice you do things. I think everyone should put every goddamn audition they ever have on tape. Yeah. I don't care if you're, if it's not a self-tape. Why are you not looking it on, on tape? I used to even do it just in the car. I'd just flip it over before I'd go in, even though I didn't have someone reading with me, and I would get just see what I was doing. I'm like, oh, that's fucking terrible. That looks like acting. Yeah. You're not going to book that ever. And almost always, it's the thing you felt real good mm-hmm. about. You're like, oh yeah, when I Look do... Look at like, all the thoughts I'm having right now. When I do now. this thing, yeah. I'm so cool. And it's like, no, you're acting you like an stupid, asshole. You look stupid, Kelly, yeah. <laughs> I say that too. Like, you look stupid, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Such we're a, all saying it. Yeah, we're all... We're all you know, I don't know. Like, it's... For actors and editing, it's, it's really just about knowing your face. God damn it, you have to know your face. You have to know what every mannerism looks like on your face. And you have to accept it. Or... Train yourself not to do that that ism, that thing. I still think that's a form of acceptance of like, I do this and need to change it. Yeah, I do okay. this and need to, but I feel like so many people are kind of in denial, like they, they want to be something else or they've not kind of come to some acceptance yeah. of that. And, and then it's just a fight forever and they never like themselves on camera. Yeah, and you have to get past that. You have to see, and that's why I think you should have to cut yourself. I mean, I was cutting myself. Meaning editing. Um, yes. <laughs> Just gonna to jump in there. Dark. Just gonna jump in there real quick. Like, <laughs> Here we go. Because um, I mean, that's when I, I was cutting myself at 13. I was seeing some really, really bad choices and some really. Just some really eye-opening things about what I do on camera. You know, I did this assignment in class that I thought was so fucking interesting, which is people had to, into their voice memos, do like a three-minute personal story or something, type it up into a monologue, get rid of their name so you didn't know whose it was. Let's say you did that. Then the teacher who you'd send it to would give it to someone else in class. So let's say you, I get yours, but I don't know it's Kelly's story. That is cool. And I don't need to memorize your story as a monologue where the breakdown is just me. Like, I don't have to play you. I don't have to worry about who wrote it. In fact, never find out. And then in class, we're going to start by recording everyone doing their assigned monologue. They're prepared acting, which hopefully you're doing well. Then afterwards, name out of a hat the person whose real story it was gets up and tells their personal story. And the goal is that you should mostly keep it to the script you gave. It's not yeah. fair if you then like add eight tangents. It doesn't have to be letter perfect, but you should be close to it. And it was so remarkable to see people's acting versus mm. their just telling their authentic truth versus the original person's authentic truth. Like all three of those things being put next to each other on camera. And it was so fascinating that most of the like choicey shit that people do is all in the dialogue. It's I'm going to make a turn. I'm going to hit this. I'm going to I'm going to cry here and it's all about what word I'm going to send something on. And when you watch people organically, it was always everything happening between words and off the lines. It. And like people who felt like they had clear opinions and knew their whole story were still 
in it. They're still processing it. They're still looking for that image and they're not rushing to get to some result. But when it was the monologue, well, no, I've got to land on this because I think it's funny or they I think have this, this part's map moving. They've got a hit. And it's, and it's all on the dialogue rather than off of it. And that was the biggest thing I learned is I think all of your quote unquote choices, almost all of them should be things that are off dialogue. Yeah. Because the second you put something in stone, it has gone from potentially a real impulse to the land of actor choices. And those are almost always your worst work. So would you watch, would you watch, because you filmed them, right? We filmed all of them. So you would watch the, them back to back. So we did it in class uh, where we recorded it and then all of the videos were sent to people. So they have the ability to watch watch them. I, I hope they watched them back to back. I think that would be... They had to turn in an assignment the next week where they had to write like journal okay. in a way that they were willing to share uh, or at least partially that they were willing to share. Teacher. It's Thank you. It's I always fun. love hearing about your assignments. It's fun. It's fun. Well, I got that piece of advice of teach the class you wish you could take. Yeah. And the only problem is now I can't take that class. I, know, I have to teach right? that class. Um, it's genius. But I, I did find like so much of like just recognize where, where your acting is versus your truth and like start saying, okay, okay, we're all going to have some bad habits. We're all going to yeah. try to hit something or please someone or whatnot. And that's not bad, but rather than being in the dark about them, like how about you get to know them a little bit and recognize them? And then what happens, you can just say, oh, let's put that away. Yeah. Lean a different direction. What do you think in terms of as an editor, as a director, uh, how wildly different takes should be. You know, because uh, some people say, do it the same thing every time. That's continuity. And some people say, it's just your physicality that needs to be the same. We don't want the same performance every time. That is just, a, to me, it's case by case experience. Um, what determines the case? Ryan and I just had, I, I won't say it was an argument, but a disagreement over sushi over the <laughs> same exact conversation on Friday night. And he was saying- Where was the sushi? Um, kaiju Great. in Sherman Oaks. Great. I just, I, I, I care. I know you're a sugar fisher. I, I just, but I, I want to know where everyone's going. Yeah, no, that's, I want to know. That's our favorite. Okay. Um, and we were saying, he was like, no, you should give the actor the opportunity to do whatever they want each time. And I was like, but then you're fucking the director. Like, let's say that first take you did, I loved it. But my DP, it went, it went out of focus a couple of times. So I can't, I don't actually have that take. And then I go, let's go again. And then you gave me something brand new, but I wanted what I got before, but now I don't have it and you didn't deliver it. And I didn't tell you to do it differently. But then Ryan's like, but that takes the freedom out of the work. And I'm like, that's a good point too. I wasn't that nice when I said that's a good point too. I was <laughs> well, like a little listen, bit more. He's gonna listen to this first and he'll hear you and go, oh, yeah, that was so nice of sorry, her. Sorry, Ryan, I was a little bit more combative. Um, so I don't know, I think you have to ask your director, this is a conversation you need to be having with your director. Do you want, do you want to see something else? If they say no, then don't then keep keep the same world. I don't think you should do the exact same performance because then you're not allowing yourself to have a you know present experience, right? Yeah. So it should if it's not feeling present, then that's that's an issue. But I think I think another thing, just this is coming from an editor now. When I've got two very different takes, I can't me- meld them in the same scene. So now I'm kind of forced to use take one or take two. Let's say take one is your sad take and take two is your angry take. But together in the scene, it looks like you're going through all this stuff, and I, I can't. So now I've just got one or of two. I don't have. Then again, if you're playing anymore. like a manic depressive or then some split personality, it. it's just, it. that's the trick: is just give two just entirely everything. different performances and then cut them together. See, that's so interesting to me because I remember once I think I've talked about it on the show already, but I got my dailies for an episode of Castle, and I. I liked my performance, but I also felt like I gave two similar performance in like every single beat was hitting it. Like my continuity was excellent. But if you didn't like one of the line readings, or you just wanted something a little different, I didn't feel like I was giving but it to But wouldn't them. they have asked for that? It's possible. TV also moves very fast. And but then I they feel... would have liked what you were doing. Yeah. You I, know? And to me, there's a there's a, a middle ground, which is because you were saying, here's your sad take and here's your angry take. And I think changing those two, that's really fundamentally a different scene because that's changing the emotional state and point but of view But maybe you can change your perspective a little bit. Maybe you can be like, in this take... I'm going to be more listening out for this stuff about relationship versus what I was listening to in the first one. Like, yeah, maybe what is something... this? What is this version of sadness? Am I at my breaking point? Yeah. Am I, is it slightly? What if more I internal? hold it in this time? What does that feel like? Is... I think it can't get to the point where you're always serving the story. You've got to serve yourself as an artist. I mean, the actor, they were hired because they're, they're they've got a part of the puzzle that, that that nobody else can tell. You know. I think it's important. Like, if if an actor said to you. 
How do you want me to handle that? Would you like that conversation if they said, do you want things to be exactly the same every time? Will you tell me this is one for you? That. You'd want that kind of I'm very talky-talky. Like I even, um, on set, I would let the actor know why we were doing another take. Which sometimes my idea was, we don't have time for all the conversation. I'm like, yeah, but we, but this will actually save us time. Because when the actor knew it had nothing to do with them, they're not getting in their head about what they just did. Mm-hmm. If I loved what they just did, I'm getting that but better next time. That's but why if I'm not, if I'm ignoring them, be like, okay, we're going again, and they don't know why, they're gonna go, ooh, what if I do this instead now? Yeah. You know? Oh, I have that thought all the time. So I'm like, we're going again. Um, lighting got a little messed up halfway through, so. Yeah, that's why, you know, I, when I did New Amsterdam, Peter Horton was directing it from 30 something, and he was like, just the most remarkable director I've ever gotten to work with, holy cow, I mean, the set was like it's just a light, happy place, and we're doing mm. the season oh. finale of a network television show. And a really dark episode too. Yeah, I mean, like to keep that just moving and light and easy, and to not have people getting stressed as the whole season's wrapping up is really incredible. So then, on top of that, so communicative with every single person, and he made sure at the end of every single, it was okay, this one's yours, and it made it really clear that if you are coming up with new ideas or having new impulses, there's a place for them. Yeah, and he will carve out that time for you. And I, I would really encourage directors to talk to actors about Absolutely. that, actors to talk to directors, and for everyone to use the common sense of, if you're a co-star who has one line, I don't think that that's your moment to start asking them about alter, your you freedom, know, alternative though. versions. And if you are- You were shoot- hired because you did something great and amazing, or yeah. that worked for the scenes, so and go with that for that. And it really has a lot to do with time. Like it's it not does. about the size of your role. It's about well, if we're if we're shooting television, you only have one line. The odds are we aren't going to get a ton of coverage on it. Let's just keep going. Mm-hmm. But if this is your biggest scene, this is the one as an actor to say, look, this scene's really important. Can I yeah. can I go a couple different ways on this? Can and can we carve out the time for that? And I think that's only going to happen through conversation. You have to. And, and like, what's the what's the worst that's going to happen? The director says no. Okay, then no. no. Well, like by this point the director has hired you yeah. like hopefully the director likes what you do and likes you or you wouldn't have or, that or job. at least is excited by your work yeah you know? they might not like you they might not like you, you but they're excited by your work i would I'll, I'll tell you though like the one the scene that the shots we would use most in post were the ones where i said to the actor this is this is yours because all of a sudden it's like, oh, there are no rules anymore. Yeah, and they were interesting and just so delightfully watchable. And Did so you read there's... the backstage article that Betty Gilpin did, interview with her from Glow? No. She's oh. remarkable. Oh, Is this a while God. ago? It was a couple months ago now. Mm. Maybe right before Glow's latest season came out. I think out. I read something from last year. She had this whole thing talking about how she has these like different personalities that she has like one of them I think is like psycho Barbie and one of them's like witch kitty or something and how she tries to make sure well she she said that almost always her acting like she'd give like three that were safe and then she'd get to do the one for her witch kitty and she'd do her witch witch kitty kitty. and then she's like no now I just start with that one and I'll give continuity on that but basically if I'm gonna have to keep doing the same thing I'm gonna do something that excites me from the get and then if I get another chance I have a couple different like people inside her head yeah and it keeps it fresh from the get-go and it's always fun and I just thought it was such a cool I love that in yeah oh she's really good if I feel like all women should watch if you're an actress watch glow watch all of it and know your casting within that because Mm. there's a role or two for everybody that's a good point but if you don't know where you fit in an ensemble like that that really does have everybody in it I feel like you don't know your type I feel like that is such a yeah. there might be one for men like that I don't know it right off the top of my head but boy do I think Glow has the drama has the comedy has the physical attributes it has different races different socioeconomic backgrounds yeah. people who come from different th- I mean it's I think it's a really interesting yeah, show for now I'm like type. I've disappeared I'm like who the fuck do yeah, I play I haven't in watched that? it in a couple of seasons it's, it's good it's good um, do you think that do, Mark Duplass uh, quote is true that if you're directing something now we're going back to directing for a second that you just always need to make sure you have a couple shots of your characters driving a couple of them like sitting at a bus stop just thinking that I love that quote I remember reading that quote I remember going I'm gonna do that quote and now I'm realizing I did not do that (laughs) Uh, yes I do I think that's extremely smart Um, I wish I'd had a little bit more of that but remember when we were cutting those one eighths Mm -hmm. of the page Mm -hmm. a lot of that was in there. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so it sounds like a really great version of indie filmmaking if you have the time. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, so segue, anything else for from the perspective of an editor? editor. Um, anything that actors should know about how they cut their reels together? Oh, reel editing, that's a whole other ball game. Uh, 
Okay, so here's how I always explain real editing. This is just my perspective, so I don't want to. So this give is it. the law of the land. It's a rule. Exactly. She's declaring. So this. another Kelly rule. Uh, I think a reel should feel like the build to an orgasm. It's a Not little. Expect that. Yeah, I know. It's it's how I've always seen it. That's how I cut reels. Okay. You're building. You're building. You're building. And each scene, we're getting closer to it. So like you're almost like leaving each scene right before. Does that mean you're not starting with your best work? Or is there something about like the uh, kinetic energy of the? I work? always start with the energy. I mean, look, everything on your reel should be your best work. So what do you say? So what like the most known stuff? Okay, sure. Maybe we start with the most known. But even in that. Let's get into the most interesting part, and let's get out right before. Let's no no scene should land. Let's never land it. So we keep going. We keep heightening, 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 and we get out on that name. And it's just like that oh, blue balls. Like that felt so good. So just edge through the entire yeah. scene. Yeah, and like I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's just how I've always cut reels. Well, the, the part about that that I like is it's you know most nobody watches a whole reel and so I feel like that through. does incentivize it because uh, it feels like we're building yeah. and there's never that catharsis or that oh I guess we're done for a second um, do you believe in keeping scenes exactly as they are or do you cut out the other person as much as I possible I cut the shit out of them I love like getting in there and just fucking up a scene to like make it work <laughs> for the actor I my biggest thing too is when you leave watching a reel I shouldn't remember any other face in that reel but the actor's face that I was supposed to be watching if I can like rem- like remember someone's face, then the editor didn't do a good job. Is a caveat to that, like if that face is Kristen Bell yes, or something so like that. Yes, there. Like, yes, yes. Because yes. if there's a celebrity that you work with, I want to like talk to you about that probably, that. and it's it's a nice credibility indicator for an actor, right? Yeah, no, for sure, you're totally right. Um, but if it's like your scene partner that you shot your reel with, don't show him or her as much as possible. Let's figure out ways. So if you're going to shoot a scene for your reel. Be really smart about how you shoot it, so we can make sure you're. It's mostly on you in post. And also detach that audio, so you can try to, you know, just yes, put that. And don't overlap there at all. Yeah. Really? Do not overlap your your real scenes. Do not overlap your real scenes. Let, let the editor do that. And also, like again, like you should always edit yourself. If you can sit with an editor while they're cutting you, if you don't, if you're not able to edit yourself. Um, Jeanette sat with us many days on my Fiona and she said she learned so much from watching us cut her. Oh, fantastic. And like so much as an actress. My God. What a privilege. We were like, come over, join us. And she did like four or five days. I feel like I learned a ton as a director watching you cut it. I mean, it's my job to be there for that. Yeah. But boy, am I so glad that we didn't have a thing where you just emailed me the cut and it was no, done. Because so you see what's work, working, what's learn. not, what you wish you could have done. Oh my God. And there's nothing worse than going, well, I didn't get all this stuff, but I don't know what to do differently. It's like, we got to know what we got to do differently next time. Otherwise, what's it all for? That's, what is it all for? Yeah. Um, acting. Acting. You're an actress. Yeah. We've talked a lot about all this other stuff that you do. I know, it's weird, it's weird. But you like recently had the biggest job of your career, right? Yeah. Well, you were, oh, oh, in acting, yeah, in Swamp yeah, Thing. Yeah, you were recurring yeah. in Swamp Thing, which you got all of its release on DC. Mm-hmm. It sadly is not going to continue I for know. some seemingly kind of confusing. I'm hearing a lot of different stories. Something sound political, something sound. It's probably. About the swamp. I heard one that the swamp was too expensive to keep in the sound stage. But. For you, what was the story of getting to that job? Because that was not happening for you in quite the same way. Yeah. Um, like how it had been a little bit since your last acting job, it right? Had. It Do you had. mind uh, talking about yeah. that at all? Because I feel um, like we've all had little pieces of our career that don't go as as fulfilled as we want them to be. I'm trying to think like how far back we go to understand the now. Because I feel like I remember doing a Christmas class with you and we did a couple scenes together. From and we did a Catastrophe. Catastrophe. It was so fun. It was the God, best. That was good. But in that, I remember in that time you were saying like, I don't know what my type is. I don't know what I'm supposed to play. I'm doubting whether I'm very good right now. I don't know that I can that get someone to, time. it seemed like not a lot, you seem to have a lot of doubt and not a lot of clarity. And now about two and three quarters years later, you have a massive recurring guest star that could, if the show had gone on, turn into yeah, a series I reg potentially. Yeah, was going to have more the next season. You've and... directed your own feature. Uh, I mean, a lot of yeah. stuff has happened for you. And I'm wondering, how do you go from feeling a lot of doubt and feeling like you have no fucking heat or momentum to this place? It's definitely, okay, I'd say it's relationship to, to acting and relationship to self. Okay, and which one were, do you want to unpack first? Well, I think 
let's start with the acting because I think that then reflects relationship to self. Okay. I think I had, I don't know how and when, I don't have like a, this is when it happened moment, but at some point in the last, I guess 10 years, I suppose, we could discount the last couple, it became all about how it looked on paper to me. And how it looked on paper was very unsuccessful. And that just means resume credits, agent, yeah, manager. Yeah. Okay. Didn't matter if I was doing the best work of my life, which I don't know if I was or not, but let's say I was. It that didn't matter. I remember scenes that were really good. Didn't matter. Yeah. It was I was shameful. I felt like a failure. I um every birthday was just like a another year older, another year where I'm not gonna work. Like it was so toxic. It was so gross. I was grossed out. And then I was obsessive about getting myself out of this and then almost using like manifestation or law of attraction but I'm using these beautiful tools against their, their the point of why they exist because okay. I'm like oh I'll just talk positively and then oh this will happen tomorrow and no no I'll no I'll fucking talk positively god damn it I, I am I am an act, I'm a working actor I'm a working actor like oh my gosh I just it was so bad and it was and then what made it worse was I wasn't being very vocal about it I was then shameful of being shameful, and then I wasn't able to be vulnerable in my work because I wouldn't be vulnerable in person. I maybe would cry to my brother like once a year, and then I'd be like, I'm fine the next day. It's all good. No, that was just a moment. And then, I mean, I was getting to the point where I like, I was like, what am I getting up for today? I'm not gonna have an audition. Like everything was just so, it was so, ter- it was such a bad relationship. Um, and then, Somewhere in there, I gave myself a new rule because I love the rules, and mm-hmm. I said, you know what, you gotta, you gotta leave your reps, you gotta leave class, you're not allowed to do this again until you can have a healthy situation here because this is, this is stupid. So I left everyone. So you dropped everybody. Dropped everyone except my commercial agent. Okay. Kept her, and um, God, that felt good. Felt really good. Not wrapping up my self-worth in this what is this is the word untangible intangible 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 thing and then in there I started therapy and then my therapist was like what's your hobby I was like who has time for a hobby I mean children have hobbies and she's like no everyone has hobbies and she told me her hobbies I'm like well you have too much time and got to the point was that like I didn't have a hobby and I hadn't had a hobby in years and I remember having so many hobbies as a kid and and at some point I denied myself experiencing something just for the for the sake of love just to enjoy it just to enjoy it just because it makes me feel good and then I realized like all this shame was all this self-loathing and self and I, there was like no self-love there was no space for self-love and then I started with learning how to like plant succulents which super random you're making a face about it but I remember that you'd been in a dark place and then all of a sudden, you seemed happy. happy. You seemed to, you were like, no, 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 I'm making these, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell some online. I don't know if I'm gonna make a lot of money yeah, doing it. Yeah, there was it. like no pressure about that. It was like some lady was like, can I buy some? And then some restaurant wanted to buy some, and that was like fun for a while. And then, well, if you go to your house, there's like there's succulents mm-hmm. everywhere, and mm-hmm. so the hobby beautified the world. And yeah. now you get this like this reminder when you walk anywhere that it's like, oh, I make things that mm-hmm. make me happy and that I'm good at and that I can just learn. It's not like you were making succulents your entire life. That no. was something you just picked up. And there was, I mean, there was something very specific of how you plant a succulent versus an indoor plant, which now I've gotten into indoor plants. Now mm-hmm. I'm learning about all that and had a lady at the garden store shame me the other day, but I'm like, this is good. I feel I'm, like you're gonna end up making a mystery about like like a rear window style thing where it's like someone stays indoors all the time like taking care of their plants but then Ooh. they like see something yep. outside and it takes them out and they're like agoraphobic and like somehow that. like okay. through the plants they're gonna figure through everything out. Through the plants. Maybe that's the name yeah. of it. Through the plants. Through the plants. Through the plants. Copyrighted WGA reference number. Do it, do it. Um, yeah, succulents were great and then in the same exact time my mom was really into tarot when I was growing up and she had this really cool tarot deck and I should say it in the American way because no one ever knows when I say tarot. Tarot? Tarot. 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 I say tarot cards. Yeah, tarot cards. What I always say, say I don't tarot. Even hear, ta- that's so barely ta- different. To when me, I say I'm doing a tarot read, it sounds like I'm saying tarot read. <laughs> but people get confused You're all the time. You're doing tarot read? And I'll talk what has she been up to? I'm like, yeah, well, she's doing the Wheel of Fortune. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, it gets very confusing, so I just want to clarify. Tarot cards. Doing tarot reads, not tarot reads. 
So you got into tarot. So I got into tarot, and um, that then opened up this whole other world, because then it was this tarot, but to do tarot, you have to be mindful, you have to be present, you have to be psychic, so now I'm meditating, now I'm doing crystal healing, now I'm hosting new moon nights with my girlfriends, and and all this stuff, and I'm planting succulents on the weekend, and I'm editing, and I'm finally enjoying the editing. For a while, I was like, this is my day job, and I'm doing it because it's, it's a good way to make money, but now I started loving it, and I never really loved it this way before. And I was still acting in like friends projects and stuff. So when I would get a friends project, oh God, I gave everything of, you know what I mean? There was not like a, I guess this is a job I could do right now. It's like, yes, I'll come and play. I love this. It sounds like so much fun. And so actually acting became a hobby again. Yes. It was a hobby again. Uh Uh-huh. It became the fun thing. Yeah. It's not the job anymore. No. And I. Which is why you got into it in the the fucking first place. pressure was off that pressure to be perfect. Let's go back for a second though, because it's one thing to like get interested in tarot cards. It's another thing to say, I'm gonna host a new moon circle for all of my female friends. Oh my gosh, that was so nerve wracking, the first like, one. Do, is that just something that's always been you, where if you're interested in something, you feel like comfortable saying, come over, I'm just gonna try it out? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be afraid to say like, well, I haven't really done it yet. I don't really know what I'm doing yet. I do I'm I okay need- okay saying I don't know. I, I said that a lot on the film. I don't know. I haven't done this before. So if I'm doing something wrong, let me know. And the same thing with the new moon thing. I was like, I have no idea. I've done a bunch of research. I've written a little like page up here. Uh, let's see how it goes. I think I think we were had to, we have to hold this talking stick and I was calling the talking stick by the wrong name and we were saying, yeah, there was like I did all these things wrong the first time and um but there was but there was something so beautiful about all these girls coming together and letting go of what no longer serves you and then uh, kind of calling out to the universe what you want to bring into your life. And then you have this group of girls every month that's keeping you accountable. And my biggest thing for a while was the fear and being comfortable in the struggle and wanting to quit smoking. And those three things I would like harp on myself and I would journal about it and I would bring it to New Moon and, it, and people would cry that it was one of the, some of the strongest women I knew in life were the most broken in New Moon but in this beautiful way. Kind of claiming the space of it and saying it just is. And like, I can be sad for this time and I can can, grieve and mourn and that doesn't take away my strength. And that was, I was so inspired by it. And then, and then we'd do tarot reads afterwards and, and the tarot really, tarot is a really hard thing to learn because you've got, I think 76 or 78 cards with a shit ton of different meanings. And then if the card is reversed, a whole ton of new meanings. And then where they are in the spread versus it's, the suits, the major arcana, but there was something obsessive about, I'm gonna learn all this. I'm, I'm gonna be able to memorize this. I'm gonna get good at it. And I'm gonna be able to go up to a stranger and I'm gonna be able to read for them and, and figure out things that are blocking them in their life and help them. And I think that's another thing. Like I felt like I was for the first time doing something that at the same exact time made me feel good and made someone else feel good. I was loving it. They were loving it. Everyone wins. And it was just so pure and genuine and and there was nothing, I don't think there ever will be anything in my life that compares to that that good feeling that I get from tarot. Wow. Uh, question, do you fundamentally believe that the cards choose you or that they really do say something or is it, this is the way I interact with a lot of this type yeah. of thing is as a Rorschach test. That when this card comes and it says, man, you've got a decision coming up, that that's gonna make me think about real things in my life in an honest and authentic way. I don't necessarily personally subscribe to this idea that the deck chose this card to appear to me. So I'm wondering to you, like how how much is this like a, a way, a prism to look at our life and how much is this, no, there is some kind of force at work that is in these cards or in the universe and it's it's that granular and real. That's a great question. It's one that I try not to think too much about, to be honest, because then I'll go into a pretty dark place if I'm now trying to pick apart them. Then did I meet that one person? Was that actually, was I meant to meet them or was that just happenstance or? um, So maybe the entire thing is blessed by like a divine Yeah, I think there is a- And you just say yes to the package. Possibly, I think, I don't believe in quote unquote magic. Okay. So these cards aren't magic cards. I think there's a level of intuition and a level of how does that card make you feel? So kind of what you were saying. 
and what does that open up to? Or for me, let's say you're sitting across from me and I'm doing the cards for you and I have a really strong feeling about something when I land on a card, that card got me to have this feeling then got me to tell you like, yo, you know what, that job is not, those people you're working with, not the right people. Don't even don't even go there. But that's intuition, that's not the card as much. Okay. So I don't know. So it's the, the alchemy of all three. Yeah. Like it's the card, it's what it does the to card's you, like it's what it brings guide. another person. And then um, we're gonna examine from there. Because the cards, it was just the beginning of this, all this other stuff that then kind of came up. And then, I mean, then it was like talking to the afterlife and getting messages for people at a, the people in a, this one woman in an airport. I had to tell her about her dead husband's bunny when he was seven years old. And like, try telling that to a stranger. I don't want to. Yeah, That's I was not... like, the bunny humps his forearm. Oh my gosh. And she's like, how do you know about the bunny? <laughs> So you feel like you've got some medium psychic. Yeah, abilities. that was the first time I went. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm psychic. Oh God, this is yep. Like, that's so just, how does that this all relate said. back to the acting? Okay, so I think all this just good feelings, loving, being present, um, enjoying self just for the sake of doing that, and no need for result or outcome or what does it look like on paper. I think it took a lot off, a lot of pressure off. And then I was, I was, I would go to an audition, but I was just so excited to get home and keep uh, playing with the cards. Or, I, you know, like I had an audition to work on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will, but I'm gonna do this spread real quick on for so and so who really wants to know about this thing they've got going on. Or, it just took a lot of weight off. And then when I did go back to acting, so I, maybe it was a year later, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get reps again. And I got a, a manager that was a actor, acting and writing manager. So that was nice to kind of get coupled into, so it wasn't just acting. Do you feel like your acting was the same? Like, do you feel like the way you were approaching a script? Different. Uh, it was so much freer. It was not like, I have to get this right, I have to get this perfect, it stopped. I have to memorize this to the, you know, I have to be so off book before, it was, that was all gone. Cause I remember, I remember a few years ago, I went into John's office and I told him I was ready to retire. As, a, I remember as an actor. I was spot. like, I'm, I think I'm done, I think I'm done. And I think I'll just be a teacher, and 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 I don't know, and I don't know, but I I'm, I don't think my results are very good. I think I'm somehow getting worse lately, and I'm definitely not enjoying this. And I think I had to let that actor die. Yeah, like I really I did, and I had to mourn it, and I had to deal with it, and it made me sad, and it made me feel very confused for a while about what I'm supposed to do. But that the thing that wasn't working anymore to me, I think it was traced to the fact that I started as a kid, and that the my like kid understanding of acting and what works for that is just fundamentally different than an adult the adult version. Yeah. But I wonder for you if it's the same thing. If you had to let one actor literally like die. Yeah, that and, like, pressure, that the version that had to be a certain way but it could only be this way and no other way and see it was it was suffocating my work because my guess is that you're not approaching it, no it's, just it's a fun again thing. like when I get an audition and especially if I like the character oh fuck I just I, I want to like put off self-taping only because then that's then the character's gone maybe forever and I'm sad to let her go or so what does preparation look like for you now Okay, so I, it's good to kind of look at like comparison. Sure. Before I was like very obsessive about doing, writing everything down. Where is she? Writing my thoughts, like doing all the homework, and then learning, learning off off book and getting it right. And now it's a lot. It's a little bit more ethereal. Because mm-hmm. um, you're a witch now. Because I'm a witch. Because mm-hmm. I'm a psychic witch. Because <laughs> you're a psychic so witch. Now I just like you know I sit and imagine the character and like I imagine the room. No, that sounds really. <laughs> No, what do you do? Come on, let's, okay. let's hear it. Um, it's just a lot more about just reading it. I read it a lot, and then I do a lot of vis- visualizations with the with Of what the it's going to look like, of what the movie looks like, or is it just about what the person's life is? What are we visualizing? Yeah, I'll visualize leading up to that scene, so I'll kind of take her back. to. And I, obviously, I don't, if I don't have a script of that's not that's not written, I decide what it is. And I kind of put her through this whole, and so kind of like a meditation, I'll put her through up to that scene, and then I'll just like sit in that scene, and I'll just keep going back to the start whenever my brain goes somewhere else like I'll just start the scene I'm in it even if I don't know the line specifically I'm just kind of making them up as long as I'm on that right road map of the scene and I'm feeling it and I'm seeing everything around me and I can smell it and I can see the other person's reaction to how I said something and now I'm feeling what my reaction is so it's a lot more intuitive based okay doke um, if it's going in the room 
Mm-hmm. I'll do that, but I'll also do a version of where I'm in the room having this experience. That's when I started doing is for some reason, I, I always left that visualization out of like, well, no, but seriously, I'm going to be in a, like a very small room. There's going to be a camera and there's going to be yeah. a person. And what does that version of success look like? And what yeah. is telling the story in there look like? And also what is, what does it look like there? But what does it look like in the lens of that kind of probably shitty camera that's not lit Bad well? Bad lighting. Like what yeah. is that going to look like? Uh, that's why now when I'm like uh, when I teach the co-star class I, I, I say like one part of your process should be like great after you've done all your work and you really understand everything and you're like super excited rewrite the whole scene for camera because yeah. if what you're doing isn't visually clear in that lens no one no one cares and no one's gonna see, maybe not no one cares no one's gonna see it though and if they don't see it they're not gonna care and so yeah. part of our job is to make that story visible yeah absolutely to let them actually see it and I feel like once you actually start engaging with some of those things, unless that takes the fun out, and then you don't want to go that way. So it is. It's whatever is whatever turns you on the most. That's the most effective for the given circumstances, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's that's so much the key, and that's why we all got in it is because there was some moment something that felt good, or something, or a moment, or a line, or a feeling, or a relationship that felt like a, a world, a, a door into a world that was effortless. And Mine it's like, was oh, always I imagination. This. I just love the imagination aspect of it all. Is that purely visual, or is it about filling out the rest of their life? Wait, I'm sorry. I don't think I know what is you mean. Is it purely visualizing what you're seeing, or is it like filling in oh, more it, of the world a, for them? It's a little bit of both, I think. It's I just love the idea of just... I, I mean, I played a lot of make-believe growing up, and I get so lost in these games. I had a, a really... <laughs> in, I had this game. I, I played it for like three years by myself. My name was Christine. I was kidnapped right before I was getting married to this guy named Todd. By the way, I'm like 11 or 10. And then he like I'm now planting... This is where it gets a little dark and not very timely, but I was planting bombs in places but we were bombing bad guys. Oh, okay, okay. I don't understand. Anyway, but that was my life. I even went out and saved up my homework and bought a ring for myself that Todd gave me. And So it's like, I guess it's the world, right? And it's like getting lost in some world, And but that's fun. And, and I think it's fun again. I know like the Swamp Thing, the callback wasn't a remarkable audition. I flubbed at one point. I was calling the lead character the wrong name. We finished this, I think that run of it, I went, and that's not her name, so uh, let's call her Amber from now on. I was like, that's that's a good, that's a great way to come on in here. But the fact that I had that comfortability to call myself out and not go, you fucking idiot, which favorite, is what I would have done years ago. One of my favorite audition tapes is Aaron Paul's from Breaking Bad. Have you seen this one? No. You can see most of the Breaking Bad auditions yeah. on YouTube. And straight up, it's the scene where his line is, how does a stiff like you break bad? And he loses the line right before break bad. And it's an audition for breaking bad. bad. And you just see him in that moment. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't panic. He doesn't feel weird. He doesn't apologize. He says, what's the fucking line? What's the fucking line? Yeah, okay. Bad, how does yeah. a stiff like you fucking break bad? And they just keep going. And it's like, he missed the title of the show. And it didn't even trip And him up. that's not an event to anybody in Because that it room. shouldn't be an event, though. Like, at what point do we let that be an event? I think it th- when we needed it that bad, when we had to have the job, and we ha- when we were going for a result, I think. I think part of it too is that we're not conscious of what it is that's fun or makes us have fun, yeah. and then we start the thing you can hang your hat on is rules, and it's like, well, I didn't get the line right, so because I don't know where my fun or my genius is, I I need to, I better get the lines right. And I mean, there's there's something to it. I also think yeah. most people are not off book enough when they go into audition rooms, and there's something helpful. In I that. have to, I have to be. I can't even be thinking about the words because I know I'll get I'll get heady. Yeah, I feel like it's people worry about the words also when they don't know the words. Yeah, <laughs> then you really should worry about. Or that. they don't know the words because they don't know the story. Yep, it all. Yeah, it trickles the back. whole house of That's cards. why I think uh, Dave Abed's um, what his Instagram videos Abed. was just. Uh, God damn it! This is going to be a recurring well, see, after theme. After you said that you didn't know his name right, and no, then I he was told like, me "Do I, I know his right. name right?" And now I keep flipping back between the two. And then one of my best friends, I'm, I realized I didn't know her name right. <laughs> That was a whole thing. What I'm sorry, um, Dave. Let's call him Dave A. Dave A. Dave A's Instagram videos. I think they're so popular because they are so relatable. Yeah. They are all that, that stuff that we do stupidly get on ourselves about. Absolutely, it's and vulnerable, think, and we'll forever do that. I don't think you can get rid of it completely. So I think we're wrapping up. Is there anything else from the acting and spirituality kind of world that you feel like was left unattended? You know, I think going back into it, because you're always going to fall into your similar 
your same traps, right? Like mm-hmm. there, you can't snuff that stuff out completely. Oh um, yeah, you just it's how quickly you adjust out of them. Yeah, and also just like having, I think spirituality for me gave me a core, gave me a compass, gave me something bigger than a career. And I think career was even with this new stuff, even with film, the writing, directing. That can only it can only mean so much. It cannot be everything. And I'm so fearful. I do not want that to be what the acting had become. Yeah. And I refuse to like that just can't it can't look like that. So I think is I'm trying it to think if it's self upkeep and self care that keeps yeah. that from happening, do we think? Is that really I the... think it is a self it's self love. It's taking that time to meditate, to do yoga, to read and to put things into your life that have no result for a career. And it's so hard because what that often means is giving up hours of sleep and things that we associate as vices that are fun. Yeah, but and what it's not, if it makes you feel so good? It doesn't feel like giving up something. Yeah, but that's—I you know? think—that's the trick, though, is that people feel like that's going to cost them something they they don't want to or can't. Yeah, but like, give, and I think there's freedom on the other side of that. I, mean, I did more in the last couple of years with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Norris, like I'm jumping out of bed in the morning. And it's like. There's nothing specific to jump out of, but I'm just so goddamn like excited to get to the day, and it's that's and that joy is infectious wherever you put that. Then, mm-hmm. and, but it's because it's real. Yeah, it carries forward. But I don't know how you bottle that. I don't know how you keep that. I don't know. Well, what was day one of you deciding to get into succulents? Because I think that's the answer. It was. I just don't want to sit with these thoughts anymore. I got I got to feel something other than this. So I got to feel something other than this. And then do you remember that impulse of when you're like I'm going to plant a succulent? You know what it was? I had I started following succulent people on Instagram because I liked the way they looked because it made me feel good that they looked good. And, and it, so it's say yes to what is yeah. actually interesting to you even if it feels like it's taking you on a totally divergent unhelpful path if it's actually yes. stimulating you and bringing you some joy mm-hmm. the odds are more of that in your life is good more of that will lead to more creativity it and more belief hurt. in yourself and go from there it's so, much better than chain smoking and drinking wine and looking at people's Instagrams that are successful right mm-hmm. like that's one version of taking up space that's not going to serve you and then or doesn't belong in your time or there's this one where you're planting plants and enjoying it. Uh, any recent books or movies or television that's particularly you know, like artistically turning you on right now that you're just fucking loving? I just got back into being obsessive with Seinfeld. Oh my lord. <sighs> oh my lanta. I am just, I am giggling. There's no real reason. It just happened. And I, it's just, I, it's just, I make, it's making me so happy. Uh, I, there's a bunch of shows I want to watch. What's that German? Is it the German one or the Swedish one? People are talking about. Are you talking about dark? dark? Dark. I've heard people talking about dark. I haven't watched it. For me, Succession, 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 succession. succession Dark, and there's something else that's on my list. But did you watch Fleabag? Oh yeah, man. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's Fleabag too easy to watch. So it's good. just like it's it's, it's so weirdly good. on you if you haven't seen Fleabag. Yeah. Now it like, takes three hours to watch it's, two seasons. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's binge worthy. It's just too fucking yeah, good. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm on my Seinfeld train for whatever reason. I always think like if you get back on something, there's something coming that you're like, oh, thank God I was watching Seinfeld because then this happened. Perfect. Spirituality, wank, wank, wank. Spirituality, wank, wank, wank is what we are going to end this yes. interview on. Thank you, Kelly, for uh, a two-part episode Hey-o. on just lots of amazing <laughs> things. We appreciate you being here, and uh, maybe when you figure out distribution more, we'll bring you back and you yeah. can teach a class on that. I will. T- I will let you know what to learn. Awesome. Right. We'll Thank see you, about you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Kelly. Thank you to you for listening to both parts of this. And thank you to presenting sponsor, John Rosenfeld Studios. Uh, I know I always say thank you, but, you know, it's Thanksgiving. And I'm really in touch with how grateful I am for all of the listeners, the guests, and the support this podcast has been given. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This thing doesn't exist and doesn't matter without you. So uh, I hope you enjoy. I hope you share with a friend. And uh, feel free to hit us up on social media or at industrytownpodcast at gmail.com with anything you're loving or anything that you would love to hear next. Until next week.